And God, Lord, we just come before you right now, and Lord, we worship you alone, your eternal God. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would you would fill us right now as we get into your word, that you would open our minds and our hearts, that you would hide these words into our hearts, Lord. And God, I just pray for uh, I pray for my parents as they're on vacation. It would be a blessed time. You draw them together uh, in your love, Lord. And, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may sit down. You guys stay. No. And greet each other. I did that. I messed that up last week, too. I'm not used to doing that. So please say hi to each other and then sit down. <laughs> Don't let it happen again. Hi. What's going on? Last week I said, uh, if you don't know, I'm Pastor Mike's son, and I'm um, Terry's daughter, being nervous. It worked out because it's a good icebreaker. But, uh, you know, yeah, Pastor Mike and, um, and Terry are my parents. Um, I, uh, again, a little bit about myself. I, um, I, I've, I've been here since the beginning, what, 1997, 98, 20 years, man. And uh, I remember just being at uh, the Fly Church back um, down on, I think, Riverside Drive in, like, Vineyard or something? Archibald. And, uh, well, there was the preschool, and then it was the one on Archibald, and it was here, and I was here for, like, one service. And then uh, I joined the Marine Corps, did that. Um, recently, I just, I just finished a, um, a year-long um, program called Calvary Bible Institute up in where I live in where I go to church. They run it up in Yucca Valley under uh, Pastor Gerald um, Hagerman, which is a great program if, you know, if you have maybe uh, young adults that are interested. I think we have information at the booth, or you just talk to me or look it up online. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a servanthood um, and, and inductive Bible study-oriented institute where, um, where they, they want to give you, they want to, if you're interested or if you're called into ministry, it's more of if you're called into ministry, it gives you a, um, a real life perspective of what ministry is like, that it's hard, that it's not, it's not easy, um, that you have to, f- that they will give you those Bible, Bible studies and these great, um, like we had Mike McIntosh, Holland Davis, uh, my, my father, uh, you know, teach it, but that you, that you also have to get into your own personal devotions uh, in your own life as you go through this, and you have to carve out that time, because that's real life. You know, we wake up in the morning, and, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me, it was just me at some point, where you wake up, and you're like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a verse today. I'll, you know, you try to kind of make, trying to do the reading, and you pray real fast, and you go off, and you do the chaos of the day. Well, one thing by the um, Bible Institute, and the Holy Spirit in me has taught me, is, is, is making that time and how important your own personal devotion is. And waking up in the morning, and I purposely, I'm a morning person to begin with, um, which, you know, the, milita- the military ab- absolutely helped with that. But I wake, up, I, woke, I, I wake up at five in the morning, get my coffee, and I get into the Bible, and it's just been the best thing ever. And you know what? I, I just, I feel that should be just the most important part of your life is praying to God and, and opening your Bible and seeing what the Lord is going to say to you today. 
you know, we, we have all these great teachers. We have Pastor Mike. We have K-Wave or whatever. You know, you can go on YouTube and find any of these fantastic theologians. But what's your devotion look like? And last week we were, we were talking about that as the, as the spiritual man in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that today will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But last week in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul was address, addressing them and saying, saying how he came to them with the simple gospel. And, I was, and I'm just coming to you and, and saying, maybe you're, a, maybe you're the um, person that, you know, you, you bring your family to church. And you, and, you, and you do your devotions, and you, and you give your family devotions every night, and you work a nine-to-five job, or, you know, whenever you work. And you do that, and you're like, am I doing enough? You know, I'm not a pastor. I don't go to CBI. I don't go to Marietta Bible College. I don't, I'm not a missionary. But am I doing enough here? And I, and, and I'm, I was up here saying, you, you are a rare commodity in the body of Christ. If you're, in fact, giving your family devotions every day, taking them to church— that's something we, that's, that's, that's where it starts. It starts in your family. And I brought up the, the point that, as far as we know, Jesus, for the first 30 plus years of his life, what did he do? He was part of his family. He worked in his, I'm imagining he worked in his father's carpenter shop. He went to synagogue when he was old enough and allowed to. And then what happens when he got baptized? The, uh, heaven responded. God's voice came and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I tell you, simple man or simple woman, simple spiritual man or woman, as, as you go and you're just, you're just giving yourself devotions and you're pouring out on your children in devotions and you're bringing your children into church, heaven responds to that. Because that's where it starts. Before, and then what happens after Jesus gets into ministry, his full-time ministry? He goes into the wilderness for 40 days and fasts. Ministry is not easy to get into or to, to, to do, but your ministry starts with your with your family. I'm proof of that. Also, your guys' prayers, and you know, I want to take the time to thank you for that. Many of you have prayed for me. Um, but but leading your family because if you if you're planning that in your in your children's hearts, it's there, and I, I can attest to that. It's there. There was, there was times at my very, very lowest point, the only reason I just didn't completely abandon all hope is because of those words that are hit in my heart. Because, because, like, my parents would give me devotions every single day unless we were at church. And I'm not kidding. Like, I, like I'm really not kidding. They would, it was, if it wasn't my father, it was my mother. Or we were at church. I would, we would go, and, you know, just in the aspect of giving devotions and being at church, this is, th- I'm, I'm trying to point out that this is the evidence of it. Not that I'm anything special. You, I can't pull anything with like three quarters of the room in here because you all know me, first of all. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm the proof of that. And so Sundays we would, you know, when we were at Chino Valley, my dad was on staff there. We, I would, I would we'd get, I'd go to first service with him and I'd be there all day for all three services up to like, I don't know, one or something. 1 p.m., come back home, eat, do whatever, and then go back to church Sunday night. And then we were at the midweek service. And if we weren't at church, then we were, uh, then we were getting devotions every night, and my mom would read to us. So guys, give your, so, so the simple spiritual person, heaven responds to that. There's a great reward in heaven for that. That is something that God calls you to do, especially you men. 
God calls you to be the spiritual leader. You ought to be leading your families in that. Um, and if, if not, the men, the women, the wives. But you both ought to be doing that. And, 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 and that's what, that's what the, spirit, the simple spiritual person, that's where the spiritual person starts, is there. And if that's all you ever do, because you have to go and you have to support your family, that's godly. And, that, and that's something I wanted to encourage you. And if that's what you're doing, if you're going to work and you're going, you know, am I doing enough? Yeah, you're, you're, you're raising children to have an effect on the kingdom of heaven. You know, you think about, I heard this story, and, it, and I, don't, I don't know if I said it last week, but I want to say it again if I did. But um, there was a guy, he was, he was Billy Graham's mentor. Billy Graham was just starting his ministry, and they asked this gentleman to teach. He said, you know, I'm sorry, I can't teach, but, you know, I have this guy, Billy Graham. And they go, we don't want stinking Billy Graham. Who's Billy Graham? We don't want that guy. We want you. And he's like, you know, you either take Billy Graham or you don't take anyone at all. And so, all right, we'll take Billy Graham, I guess. So Billy Graham goes, he teaches, and that guy calls Billy Graham. He's like, hey, how did it go? And he's like, you know, only one person got saved. You know, and he's like, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, well, did you write his name down so you can disciple him and pray for him? He's like, yeah. He's like, what was his name? He said, Warren Wiersbe. So, you know, you, you don't know who you're affecting. And what if, what if your child's Billy Graham or Warren Wiersbe? Raise them in the way they should go. And even if they're not those, you know, those, those mighty men of God or whatever, you know, touching one person and giving, get, bring them into the kingdom of heaven, is it not worth all the mansions that God has for you to heaven to see your children there? And there is a difference between the spiritual man last week we talked about, and the natural man, or the, unborn, the person that's not born again, or the natural man, this is complete foolishness. What do you do on Thursday night? Yeah, you guys have, what, you, you listen to some, some guy talk about the Bible, and you eat chili after that? Yeah, that sounds like a great time. You know, okay. You know, love one another, yeah, love your enemy? No, I'm good, man. It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, I can go on examples, but it doesn't make sense, the contrast of the spiritual person and the natural person, the person who's not born again. Because there, be, there may be the natural man that's a completely honorable man. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying every person that's born again is this is terrible, evil individual. And you could be an honorable person, but if you're not born again, you're going to be the most honorable person in hell. I was listening to, um, I was listening to David Rosales, I think today, on the way here, on my phone, um, safely driving, mom, um, was talking about that, that, that there's preachers today that talk about uh, how there's not hell, or that, that you might go to hell for a little bit, but then God's going to take you out of there. Or the, doc, you know, the doctrine of, of but the, is, is that what G- Jesus spoke about hell a lot? We, guys, we are eternal. Our bodies aren't in, are eternal. Our bodies are not immortal, but, but we're eternal. We, our souls we're going to live forever somewhere. And he was, and Pastor David, and the point here is, is saying, you know, the, he's saying if, 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 the, if he didn't believe in the doctrine of hell when he got saved, he never would have talked to his parents about it. Because I remember, if you've ever been under Pastor David or if you ever heard him teach for um, a period of time, you know that he, he got like born again, walks into his, his house, goes up to his dad, who's a, a masculine, dominant Hispanic man, and says, Dad, you're the most honorable person I know, but if you don't become born again and accept Jesus, you're going to be the most honorable man I know in hell. And apparently it worked. So. <laughs> but, you know, so the, to, to the natural man, there is those, there is those and it, it, it could seem foolishness. But now we're going into chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, as Paul addresses them, and we're going to talk about the carnal Christian and what that is and what that means. And last week I teased with, 
Will the carnal Christian go to heaven even? So let's, let's kind of get into that. As we get into that, just worthy to note what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So if we're born-again believers, we're salt of the earth, correct? And a pat, my, my Matthew teacher at CBI, he was saying, the, the way salt loses its flavor is when it mixes in with the other elements of the world. And you born-again believers sitting in here tonight, I would ask you, are you mixing with the other elements of this world? Because you're, you're called not to do that. Right? We're, we're, we're to be in the world, not of it. We're to be examples. You know, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, and it's Jesus living through us, our relationship with the Lord, and then pouring out on, on believers and unbelievers, and, and people looking at us and saying, what do they have that I don't have? What's different about Sean? Why is he so happy during this time? This peace that surpasses all understanding, I don't get that. But as a carnal believer, how are you doing that? How is that reflection of Christ? And so uh, it's something we're going to look into as we read verse 1, chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual person, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. The problem with the church in Corinth is, is they were established, and they were obviously established by, by Jesus, by God. Because if you, look, if you look in the beginning of the chapter, they were doing spiritual gifts that were actually spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. But they, they weren't moving on. And by not moving on, that was carnality. That was of the flesh. And so it's something I think we have to look and be careful of. And the first, first step of, of, of what we're looking at here to us at Calvary Chapel, Ontario, is are we being carnal? I believe that carnal... That if you're a carnal believer, you're not, you're not eternally minded. Because if you think about it, and if you go, this is what I, I don't know, I get these weird like brain explosions of, oh yeah, it's God, you know, it's God showing me. Look at it this way. Do you ever have that when you're doing, this ha- only happens, by the way, if you're doing your personal devotions. So like if you, wanna, if you want God to actually teach you stuff, you should read your Bibles. It's crazy how that works. Um, but uh he, uh, he, was, he was showing me, God was showing me that, um, why aren't we eternally minded? Spiritual people are eternally minded. How long do we live on this earth for? At the very, very best, every once in a while, National Geographic's or online, so-and-so died at 115 years old in some place I can't pronounce or something, you know. Or it says, you know, people say, oh, 55, I'm halfway there. Okay, I'd believe that if I saw more 110-year-olds walking around. Right? So, at best, we have, we have, you know, X amount of years, which is between, let's just say, being born and, and 100 years old. And then we have eternity. So born-again believer, I'm talking to you right now, are you eternally minded? Because if you're not eternally minded, that's kind of carnal, isn't it? Because everything that you do on this earth and everyone that you affect, it's going to play a part in eternity. And I want you to keep that in your head as we move on in this. But, like, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, we're going to be doing something, except now we're going to be doing it from a glorified body in a perfected state. We're going to keep doing ministry. 
We're going to have we're going to have instant access to Jesus. Faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love because one day we we won't need the faith because we we're, we're perfected in it. What are you going to hope for? I can oh oh you, hold on, let me go to the throne room. I'll be right back, you know. But the love will continue. Man, I get psyched about the thousand-year reign. I don't know about you guys. You know, not, not that I'm just completely overwhelmedly, like, you know, only preoccupied with that, but that's so exciting. I want, I want like, pet panthers one day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to really see what God has for me. And as you go and as you look, we look how, how Jesus tells us that we ought to behave in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Right? You, look, you, you see how Jesus is. First of all, Jesus is eternally minded. Kind of shocking, being God and all. Walking around on this earth saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. You have the parable of the mustard seed, of leaven, hidden treasures. All in Matthew, Matthew 18, uh, king settling accounts. All talking about the kingdom of heaven. Guys, the kingdom of heaven is on earth right now in your hearts. You are ambassadors of the eternal throne of God. And your conduct ought to be, act, uh, bleh, as, my, as I go through puberty, and your conduct ought, ought to be reflective of that. Not that, not that it's you that changes, but if you're indeed born again, why, why do we pursue the flesh? Right? I mean, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to slam anybody. You know, you've worked hard for your things and, you know, brand new cars, nice clothes. I don't know, whatever. I'm just trying to make examples. They're nice. It's great. That's awesome. You know, I, uh, we, we, let's be honest, stuff is fun. They say money can't buy happiness, but you don't see anyone frowning on a jet ski, you know. But our, our worth and our souls, they're not caught up in that. Because one day the jet ski, the salt's going to get to it and it's going to rot it out. One day your car, you're going to need another one. The house is going to fall apart one day. Everything you have, you know. Uh, Solomon, at the end of his life, is, he was annoyed by it because he's like, I've got to give this all to my son. Right? You know, and... And you look at Jesus, and as Jesus went through his ministry, you look, you know, he, he tells us how to be blessed in the Beatitudes. Interesting about the Beatitudes, that's Latin for blessed. It's not, you know, I think we, and there's nothing wrong with it, I guess, but saying that, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the Beatitudes because it's the attitude we ought to be having. Actually, it's, it's Latin for, uh, it's beatus, it means blessed. It's a little interesting for you Bible scholars, and I don't know why I'm even slamming that, but... Uh, you see, as, as, as in the Sermon on the Mount, and as Jesus says, blessed are you that are poor in spirit. If you're eternal-minded, this is the attitude on how to be blessed while you're in this flesh, while you're here on earth. You look at this. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. Hunger, those who hunger for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know why? Because the pure in heart want to see God. And if you're carnal, do you want to see God? I don't know. That's what I want to ask you, and that's why I'm asking you to search your heart if, if you have that carnality in you. And keep that in mind in the back of your head. Well, do, do carnal Christians go to heaven? And I'm not here to judge you, by the way, on, on whether or not you're going to heaven, because it's not my job. I'm going to, see you. I, I, I'm going to judge you on the fruit of, of your life. You know, if... if you know, say I have, like, for example, say I have a, a, I don't have any children, but say I have, maybe one day, who knows, I have a child, and they want to go over to your house, and you're, drink, and you're drinking every day, or, 
playing terrible music and you're cussing up a storm. I'm, yeah, I'm going to judge you. Don't go over to that guy's house. No way. But as far as you go to hell, I don't know your heart. God knows your heart. We're to judge people by the fruit. And in that, and you see that as spiritual believers and as mature believers, we pray for those people, right? But we, we, don't, we don't send people to hell. That's not our job. We, don't, we can't send them to heaven neither. We pray for those people. But, but we see the attitude, and you see how the mind of Christ works. And, 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 and didn't we read last week at the end of, uh, at, is this working? At the end of two, but we, uh, chapter two, at the very end of the chapter, in verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And you have Jesus in you. And the, and the importance of being spiritually minded is getting in your word and looking at these things and looking at how Jesus addresses people and how he interacts with people. Um, and, that, and, and I think that's where we would judge ourselves and reflect in ourselves and, and how, how we are to behave and how we are to be spiritually minded. Um, so you see, Paul, he, had, he came to them with the simple gospel we see in, in the beginning of 2 when we're talking about that. The problem is he has to keep on coming back to being simple with them where he ought to be getting in the deeper things of the gospel, right? And, and that's, where he's, that's what he's addressing here in verse 2 of chapter 3. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Um, they couldn't handle more because they would have been carnal about it. There, there was division, it goes on to say later in there, and strife. And if they were to receive more, they would have, they would have treated it as, uh, uh, it would have been sin in their lives. Paul's keeping them at the base of the gospel, and it's, it's, it, the gospel um, itself, it, it did a miraculous change, but they're sitting there, they're, they're sort of playing with their spiritual gifts on Sunday. Guys, spiritual gifts are not something we take out when we come to church to see how it works. That's why Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. And, and I think we, we come to church and we say, how come I didn't see anyone speak in tongues today? How come I didn't see fire come out from heaven? How come, how come the pastor didn't shoot Holy Spirit rainbow power out of his hands and heal somebody? Not that Holy Spirit rainbow power is a thing, but, but I wondered, will we see those things if we're going out and making disciples? Like I said, the simple spiritual person, this starts in the house, right? This starts in your family. What did Jesus do when he sent his disciples out? He sent them out to the lost sheep of Israel. And while, that's, you know, while Israel is, what, Israel's roughly as big as New Jersey? A lot of those guys knew each other. They sent them out, guys, he sent them out to their neighbors. He sent them out to the people that they knew. And that can be hard. Right? People that you know. Like, I think in our, in our minds we can go out and talk to, the, talk to people in the mission field, and you can always keep that in your mind, that, well, I don't know this person. You know, I've got to save this lost soul. What about your neighbor who, who knows you're a born-again believer? And as you're going out, though, what, as you're going out, I think we see those spiritual gifts manifested when you absolutely, you need them. Have you ever had to rely, maybe you have, I'm not saying any of you haven't, but have you ever had to literally pray for God that you would get fed the next day or that night? That you would never be murdered? Now look, this starts in the home. 
And that's what I'm trying to say. And you want to see these spiritual gifts? Go out and use them. Use them in your home. Use them on your neighbor. The people that you know at work where you're sitting there running, if I'm doing enough, start doing enough at work. Just talk to those people. What do you have that I don't have? I don't know. Come and see. Come to church. So, Jesus says in verse 2, I mean, <laughs> he does, but in Matthew sixteen twenty six, For what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The, 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 Corinth, the Corinthians, they couldn't have handled more because they would have used it carnally. And, they, and it, they, they were in this weird, we want a balance of wanting the wisdom and the things of this world. Later on, there's, um, there's someone in there, the, the church is like proud that, that, um, that they're, of, that, I don't know, hyper-graced. Like, you know what hyper-grace is? Like, hey, you could do anything you want because Jesus is grace. They were proud of the fact that they were allowing a certain sin in their lives. If you go on and you read the chapter, and Paul's like, no, don't let that into the church. Um, but they were trying to keep this balance of, 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 of being carnal and, and trying to be spiritual. And, and they're, they're just, the, just, it was the enemy trying to get into the early church. And Paul's addressing that. He's trying to stamp that out. He's trying to put in the right heart. Because you know what? The, the enemy knows what we want. Right? The enemy knows what, what, what you desire. I mean, he's been around since, the begin, since he's been created, the beginning of the earth, studying humans. He's probably the, the utmost um, authority on human behavior and philosophy. You know, and it's a spiritual war. And what, is, what does the devil do with us? He looks at, he knows, okay, you're at your most vulnerable right now. You're, you're absolute most vulnerable. Here's the temptation. Right? Because if we're walking out after listening to Sean teach, and we're, walk, and we're walking out full of the Holy Spirit, hopefully, as you walk out of here, the devil's not going to throw that temptation in front of you. Because why in the world would you be like, no, absolutely not. Get behind me, Satan. No, he's going to wait till, you, till those, those times where you're like, man, no, I just, I can't meet anybody. I wish, I just want to meet somebody. Lord, who do you have for me? It just seems like it's taking forever. And then that person, if, for you single people, if there is single people here, that person walks in the door and it's the first person you go after and it just, it turns out it's from the enemy because you're not waiting on the Lord. All I'm saying is the devil knows us. He knows what to put in front of us. But if you're doing your devotion, you're washing and you're, re, you're, you're reforming your mind in the word of God every morning and you have the Holy Spirit in you, the devil doesn't stand a chance let alone any demon. Not that the devil's personally picking on anybody here. If he is, that's kind of awesome. It means God has a, probably a huge plan for you. Let's see what's going on. But washing yourself in the Word every day. It, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you because he doesn't want to waste his time. Because he can't stand against God. Paul's trying to get the right heart. The, Cor- the Corinthians, I want to say the Corinths, the Corinths, I can't even say that. I don't know why I'm trying to say that so bad. The Corinthians, they're trying to get the right heart. They're, they're, they're addicted to spiritual junk food. Right? They, they, like, seeing the, they like seeing the tongues. They like, they like seeing uh, the prophecies about being built up. And those things are great. But we study the whole Word of God. This is not easy, right? As we, as we look, there's things that are, that are hard to do. Love your enemy. No. My, my, my flesh, my Sean, Sean, carnal Sean, doesn't want to love his enemies. Actually, the Marine Sean wants to shoot him with an M16A2 service rifle when it comes down to it. Not that I'm talking about shooting people. Please don't shoot people. But 
That's my, that's my initial reaction, is, is to defend myself against me. Jesus is saying, I love that person. How could you love that person? Well, I loved you. Okay. Right? And, he, and he's, and he's it's, I'm just saying that there's, there's not, you know, there's, there's more than just the spiritual junk food. There's food. It's, it's, it's spiritual food that we need. We need all, we need the spiritual vegetables, all the metaphors you want to throw out. Paul wants to lead them in everything, but he wants to unite them together. Verse 3. For you are still carnal. And, the, the, and what's coming up right now is the evidence of that. For where there are envy, strife, and division among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? Um, envy, strife, and division. This, these were the, um, what the, uh, the evidence of their carnality was. Um, and their behavior is that of the natural man. Right? You go to any, any job... I guess, in the world, and, you know, it's climbing the ladder, and who can get there first, or, you know, I mean, not always. I'm not trying to, you know, slam your personal jobs or anything, but still, it's just the aspect of competition within the world, or you have your, your cliques, or the people that you only talk to or relate to. And Paul's saying here, no, don't, be, don't, don't have that envy, that strife, that vision, but have harmony and joy and love. I wonder, I wonder sometimes when Jesus... He got his 12 apostles together out of all the people that were following him, his disciples. And he prayed over these men all night, it says. Who, these people, these were like fishermen. Have you ever spent time ever around fishermen or sailors or Navy, or Navy personnel or Marines even at all? You know, they, they, they don't have the best mouths in the world. They like to drink. You know, not if you're a sailor again. I'm going to stop apologizing. Just listen to me. Listen, sailors aren't always the best people in the world. And then you have like, Simon the Zealot, who probably had at least participated in, in the murderers, the murdering of Romans, or at least was close to someone that had. On the opposite end of that coin, you have Matthew the tax collector, who was everything that Simon the Zealot hated about his people. You are helping the enemy. And, 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 and I can't help but wonder, and it doesn't say this in the Bible, but just in my head, I can't help but wonder when Jesus sent his apostles out, did he send Matthew and Simon out together? Kind of makes you wonder. I mean, it would be like our Lord, go get along in, in, in harmony, love, and joy. Bruh, I don't like that guy. But isn't that what Jesus is doing in us, church? As we read the Bible, and you, I, because I, I go, I've, I've, I've come from this church. I know there's sometimes you come here and you go, oh, hey, you said this about me last week. Or whatever it is, Right? And, and, and Jesus is, is doing that perfect work in us. But guys, some, I think sometimes we come here and this is all we have. Because some people, they can't ex- they, they've never experienced true sacrificial love that Jesus has. And, they're gonna f- and when they walk in these doors, and they might be intimidated or scared by it because, you know, we have that genuine love of Christ. But some people have never, ever experienced that. And they're going to see that. Maybe they're scared. But that's what's going to keep them coming back is that love of Christ. I don't care if you're a man, woman, whatever, if you're a touchy-feely or don't-touch-me kind of guy or woman, whatever. Still, we all desire to be loved. And the world's doing everything it can to push it out of us. But that's what's bringing people into church, and, and what's, t- what's scaring them away is things like this with carnal Christianity. And 
And you just see it. It's the, ba- the gospel is down to loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Because if you're doing that, you're accepting his son as your Lord and Savior. And if you're accepting his son as your Lord and Savior, you're loving your neighbor as yourself. And as you go and you read things like the Sermon on the Mount, keep that in mind. Loving God, loving people. Loving God, loving people. And not just your neighbor, but your enemy. And, and, and watch as the Holy Spirit renews that in you. And, and the carnal, even, even for you, carnal Christian, if you're here, as you have those things in your heart, and you're, and you're going after those things, you're participating in sin, you know it's not right. What do I do? Well, you get in the Word. You have Jesus in your heart if you are born again. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Anyway, so I look at, so going back to what I was saying, the apostles, right, they, they, they were carnal. They were under the law. They became born again, all except one. But even that one, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, was out there casting demons out at one point. Right? If you read, he was, he, Jesus sent them out, and they said they were doing that. We are, the kingdom, we are of the kingdom. We're not of Pastor Mike. We're not of, we're not of Sean. We're not of anybody. Fill, I put, wrote down right here, fill in the blank. But we are of Christ. In Galatians, if you will, turn with me in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I have stuff written over my Bible. I got this journaling. So when I was going through CBI, I'll just show you. I was writing a lot of my notes in my Bible. Don't think I'm spiritual. It just means I can't read my Bible now. And my friend, they have these journaling. This, by the way, the, they're the best things in the world, journaling Bibles. It's like you have the words and then you have all this stuff to write. And it's not, that, it's not like God's giving you a free way to add to the word of God. But it's what's really fantastic to put your personal thoughts. This is a promise from God. You know, or, or it's a great way to, as you go and you say you listen to Chuck Tracks or you listen to whoever, you can write down verses. And then when, when they give you a cross-reference verse, you can write that. And you always have that there. Anyway, I'm just pointing. So I finally, I got a, I got a um, I don't know why I'm going off on this. I got a journaling Bible, and it's just the best thing ever. And now my Bible looks neat. But um, I'd highly recommend it in your personal devotions. It's a great Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken um, in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. The church in, in Corinth, they couldn't do that. Paul, Paul had to come back so he could do that to all of them. But here, we have men that can do that. Not, and, and maybe right now I'm appealing to those who are spiritually mature. The ones I know and the ones I don't know. Protected here. It makes me think of, of and I'm only saying this because I've, I've met a lot of them through Calvary Bible Institute, but the guys at um, Calvary Chapel, Moreno Valley, they're young adults. They're all about accountability towards each other. And not just, be, not just to be nosy, because, you know, they, I, I know a lot of them, they don't want to know everything about their, the other person's life just to know how evil they are. They just don't want to let sin in. And, and maybe it's to a fault. I don't know. That's between them and God. But man, I see the fruit of that. And it affects me because I'm friends with them. And, and they'll, they'll, 
I, I have the text messages right here. I could read it. And it's like making sure I'm good. And isn't that what we ought to be doing? You know, not, you don't have to be involved in people's personal lives. You know, or, you know, some things might not be any of your business. But, but we should love each other enough that we want to know, are you okay? If you see sin, you know sin's going on in that person's life. Doesn't the Bible say to confront them? Not, you know, not to, not to you know, demote them within the church or, or, or slam them or make them feel foolish, but to build them up, to get them back on track. We ought to be looking out for each other. We, in the Marine Corps, we, you know, when we're on the battlefield, we're looking out for each other. We don't care about freedom at that point where we're getting shot at. I'm here to defend freedom. No, that's not it at all. I'm here to make sure that you make it home, even if it's in a casket. At least your mom can see you. You know? We're, 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 we, we have that accountability in the military with each other so that we don't falter and we don't fall. How come we don't have that on the spiritual battlefield? Because this is a fortress. And out there is the battle. We come here for, like any other military base, we come here for training. We come here to look, up peop- look at the higher ranking individuals, not for the sake of rank, but for the sake of, you know, um, spiritual people that are more spiritually mature, so that we can get that maturity, so that we, when we wake up in the morning, Lord, God, please, during this trial or during whatever, give me wisdom, that God will be like, okay, go talk to Paul Kilsmeyer. Go talk to Sean Turin. Go talk to Pastor Mike. Go talk to whoever who's spiritually more mature than you. Roberta, my voice is going out. Hold on a second. This is my, like, safety blanket for some reason. <clears throat> But, but if we're all being carnal, that's going to spread. But that, guys, that needs to stop. Not that it's here. I'm just saying in, in what God showed me in chapter 3, that needs to stop. Because we want to be able to Galatians 1 through 4. Because it, the reality is, it is spiritual warfare. And we are fighting. We put on the armor of God. You know what the armor of God, God is? It's putting on Christ. And in warfare, we sleep in our armor. In the Marine Corps, we put on flak jackets and, and helmets, and, you know, we go out there, and, we, and, we, and on the battlefield, we, we sleep with that on. And there's always someone, someone watching and protecting us while we're doing it, too. Let's, let's start utilizing that kind of thing in, in our spiritual warfares here at church. Look out for each other. I think that's love. And do it in love. Uh, a call also in verse 3 to, three to 4 for mature believers to take action, an action an active, involved role. Mature believers here. Look, disciple people. Who, who are you discipling here? Even if it's one person, who is it? Do you have their number? Are you checking in on them? Are you meeting with them? And I'm not just saying just to shove the Bible down their throat. Although, why not? Shove the Bible down their throat. But, but are you meeting? Are you fellowshipping? Take them out to lunch. Build them up. Get to the point to where they say, I want to take someone and disciple that person. Because that's spiritual maturity. Because that's something that Satan absolutely hates. I had, a, I had this, this fantastic pastor. If you ever get a chance to listen to him, he's, he's, he's great. His name's uh, uh, Pastor Dave Shepherdson. Dave Shepherdson of, of Calvary Chapel Nuevo. And he, he taught Daniel. And he taught us how to do inductive Bible studies. And I was talking to him about the importance. He's telling us the importance of discipleship. And it's funny because I was praying for a mentor at this time. I was like, who? I need someone to disciple me. I have my dad. I'll always have my father. You know, but he's doing things here. I'm not here. I'm way up in, in 
in the back end of the desert in Yucca Valley. But I'm praying, God, who bring, bring me someone to disciple me? Because, because Pastor Dave's talking about the importance of that. And he said, you know what God hates? Or not God, you know what Satan hates? Forgive me. Satan, when we were, he said, when my church was, was really focused on evangelism, we weren't really that attacked. We weren't attacked that bad by the enemy. You know what really brought the attacks from the devil is when we started to make strong believers. Because, because the Great Commission, Jesus says, doesn't say, go out and evangelize the world, although evangelism is in that. He says, go make disciples of all nations. And maybe, maybe simple Christian who goes and works a nine-to-five job, you're discipling your, your kids. Because one day they're going to grow up, and they're going to take that example and disciple someone else. And mature believers here, guys, look for somebody, pick somebody, pray about, God, who do you want me to disciple? And let's see, see if I'm wrong. I don't think I am. As a matter of fact, I know I'm not. Verses 5 through 8, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom, uh, ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives, but God who gives the increase. Now, now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will, will receive his own reward according to his own labor. It's weird that I'm nervous, because I know you guys, and I know it's showing in my... I don't know everybody, I guess, but still, you know, I'm nervous just in case you're worried. That's why I sound ridiculous. Um, God gave the increase, the result of spiritual men and women. When you're, when you're simply being spiritual, and what, what that means, and, and what that is, is the person that goes and does a normal job, but you're coming to church, and you're about it, and you're discipling someone, and you're actively involved because, because the Holy Spirit's in you, that's when the increase happens. And maybe this church will be here until the rapture. And it will never grow beyond this. But if every single one of you, even, even the people in this room, that's it. If every single one of you becomes stronger believers, is that not a growing church? Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to take this. You're going to take it to your families. You're going to take it to other people. Maybe they'll come to the church and go somewhere else. And maybe you won't, you won't ever see a mega church here. What does that matter? What matters is, is how you're spiritually growing yourself. And how you're spiritually affecting your family and those that you were around. And those that God has called you to. To minister to. Um, some do one things all have an impact. And if, you're, if you are here, maybe, maybe you're, whatever, you're the guy that takes the trash out. Or you're the guy that greets. Or whatever you do here. I'm telling you, if, if that's what God has you doing, that's enough. That's what God has you doing. You ought to be doing it well. And maybe you won't do something right. Maybe you're, I don't know, back on the sound and, and, you, and you mess up the sound or something on accident. Guys, I, I'm going to tell you, in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Every, everything. If you're moving in faith in the Holy Spirit, nothing is wasted in God's economy. It all has an effect. Um, we just obey. When you're doing God's will, then it's on God. When you're doing what God has you doing, it's on the Lord. He takes the responsibility. Because guess what? You're going to mess it up. Right? But, but we move in faith in what Jesus has us to do. 
And you see, like, the perfect example, again, are the apostles. The apostles mess it up all the time. Peter, I wonder if Peter's whole life after Jesus, he was always, he'd always, like, think about all the things he said that were stupid. Because I do that all the time. I'm the king of saying stupid things. I'm very sarcastic. And God's been, God's been actually literally showing me, watch what you say to people. You may think it's funny, but that person doesn't. My mom, not a sarcastic human being at all. Which is funnier when she is sarcastic to me, you know, like, my mom, will, my mom will tell a joke, and it's just, it takes a second, and then you just can't help but laugh because of how dry she is, you know? I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, <laughs> and then my dad's the exact opposite. But, but watching what we, what we say to people, um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but we obey. We move on. We, 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 it's, it's on God. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, I'm going to turn there because I'm nervous about reading things off my notes. Like, what, wrote it wrong? It helps you know where the books of the Bible are. Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, says, Come to me, all you who, who labor, and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And that's what, that's what people, I think that's what people are looking for when they come to church. They're looking for that rest. There's this, so... One of my mentors, this guy, Pastor Jason Duff, fantastic teacher of God. Almost as good as my father. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Fantastic teacher. He was saying, he heard a guy that said it's possible, especially um, with carpenters. Jesus was a carpenter as a profession, right, for a long time. His dad, Joseph. He wonders if if Jesus made, made yokes back then. Kind of interesting to think about, right? I'm not saying this is biblical, but just something to think about. There wasn't a whole lot of wood either, you know? And so it would have made sense. So it's kind of funny. You're wondering if he was like promoting his father's business back then. Come to me, my yokes are easy. No, I'm kidding. But, but it makes sense because like a proper fitting yoke is easy on the animal. When a, when, a pro, when, a, when a yoke is made correctly and it's put on the animal, the animal is, is, is the most efficient. And isn't that with us? Come to me. My, my yoke is eating. My burden is light. Because where else are you going to go? Say, say you go, no, forget this Christian thing. It, what, it's going to be easier. Where, where else is it going to be easier? What's easy? Life's, what's, what's the saying in life? Life's hard and then you die. Right? Whatever, fine. Life's hard here and then you get to live in eternity in the, in the glorious kingdom. But instant access to the throne room of God. He said last week, I can't wait to walk into the throne room and have Jesus and go, have Jesus go, Father, this is my servant, Sean. This guy. This, this is who I was telling you about. I mean, I'm just stoked about that. That's exciting to me. My mom says she's, she's looking for the prayer bowls in heaven. Like, you know, because it says the, um, the, the prayers of the saints are fires in a bowl. I'm probably butchering that. But she's looking for that, and, and, you know, she is looking for Jesus. I'm not saying my mom isn't. Obviously, she is. She's the one that's probably going to point me to Jesus when I get there. But I can't wait to be acknowledged by God because of his son. We, we see when Stephen was martyred in Acts, 
And he said, I look, look I, see the, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. God Jesus said he, he's going to sit at the right hand. But in that instance, when Stephen was getting martyred for his faith, what was Jesus doing? He was standing, waiting to receive his servant. Can't wait for that day. So be eternally minded. If you're being eternally minded, eternally minded you're not being carnally minded. Because all this stuff is going to burn one day, right? That famous Christian saying. But what's going to carry on into eternity? People. It makes sense when you read the things that Jesus has told us. The things that we read about Jesus. What, everything Jesus did in the Bible it makes absolute perfect sense. Because souls are eternal. What do you think your reward in heaven is going to be about? Souls. Not, not that they're your souls that you're God or anything. Don't get me wrong. But that you're going to look at, let's say, your firstborn or your son, and, and they're going to be in heaven going, Dad, Mom, you know. And just in that, I think in that instant, is there no greater reward? Maybe your, your unbelieving father or your mother. My, my, I think I said it last week, my grandpa was, is a hard-nosed, dominant male Italian. If you know anything about Italians, maybe kind of similar to the dominant, hard-nosed Hispanic guy. You know, I mean, genuinely. You know, he had pride all up. All, he had cast iron pride walls all around his life. And what happened? He got cancer. And my dad was there to change my grandfather's diapers when none of his other sons would. My dad was there to share, him, share Jesus to him when no one else would. And on his deathbed, my grandfather accepted Jesus into his heart, and he's in heaven forever. I get to see, and, and also my other grand, I won't go into it, also my other grandfather's in heaven. I get to see both of them. One saw me into, uh, up until I was two when he passed away. The other one saw me into, um, up until I was 17. I get, to go, I get to go talk to him. I can't imagine my, my grandfather's probably telling everyone they did everything wrong up there. But, but soul, souls are eternal. And if you're pursuing this Christian life because you want a big house in heaven, may you have, like I said last week, may you have five of them. May you have all the gold you could ever even imagine plus some more. I want my family. I want the people I prayed for. I want the people I talked to. Give me that. Because that's the reward. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to point out, you know that guy? Yeah, yeah, who was that, Lord? You know, well, you prayed for him. You probably don't remember. Isn't that awesome? Um, but don't put souls on yourself. Be faithful in what God has you doing here. Be conscious about, about people's salvation. Be conscious about, you know, especially you mature believers, is building up the body. But understand it's God who does the work. And that's one way I think, I think you could tell if you're, if you're not being carnal, if you're not after things just to come to church. Because you know what? Church is not about what you can get out of this place. Have you noticed that? Isn't that true? It's about what you put into it. It's about what you put into this body that builds it up. What you do to a body, even, I mean, look at a human body. Right? If you eat junk, what happens? That's what the Corinthians were doing here. They're eating spiritual junk. Not that spirit, get me wrong. They were just only focused on one thing. But they were also allowing things of the world, carnal things of the world in, and that was having a negative effect of the body of Christ there. Um, so it's God who does the work, putting good things. You'll see the fruit, guys, of this ministry. Not that you haven't now, but you'll see the fruit more when you do this. 
And just in your personal life, get rid of, get rid of just the carnal things. Spiritual warfare enters in here. If you are carnal, then you're not spiritually equipped or trained to be on the battlefield. Is there any prior military here? Just out of curiosity. If not, they can relate. It's just, I mean, not that you can either way. But if you're not properly training, that's going to show. In the Marine Corps, we have something called the, um, the PFT, physical fitness test. We have to do like twice a year. We have to run three miles under 24 minutes. And if you think about that, for those, I think, I know Sean can do it. That's hard. I don't care who you are. That's, I don't like running. I hate running. I was in the, it's like I picked the one branch of the stupid military where I had to run hard. Don't say stupid. It's bad. I had to pick the one branch of the military where it's about being physically fit. And, oh, that was so annoying. But I remember, I remember one, I, I was like, I'm going to take this. I'm going to, if you score a 300, you score perfect. And I wanted to get as close as I can to 300. Part of it is doing, is doing pull-ups. And it's not just, you don't just hop on the bar and start going. Because, you know, if you start kipping, you get more out of it. No, some, some, some officer in the Marine Corps made it so that you have to start at a dead hang and go all the way up with your chin above the bar and all the way down, and that's one. If you don't do that, they one, one, one. So if you're, if you're, spiritually, un, if you're spiritually getting fed junk food, and only junk food, and you're letting carnal things, and you're not going to be prepared. We, you fight the way you train in war. That, ca- that also counts in spiritual warfare, guys. It's very real. And that, that, that especially counts as if you're, if you're training by going home and doing your devotions. That's the hardcore training stuff. I joke around that CBI was, was uh, it's like, it's like if, if doing devotions and coming to church is, is boot camp and, and, and training, then CBI was the special forces training. No, I was wrong. Doing your devotions every day with your family, that's the hardcore spiritual training. Discipling somebody and talking to them about Jesus is the hardcore spiritual training stuff for spiritual warfare. Have you ever just talked about the Lord with somebody that's also spiritually minded? Isn't it amazing? Like, you know those moments in life where you're just, you're just firing off on all cylinders? Right? And man, time went by fast, by the way. Um, so guys, carnality, I, I'm not going to be able to get through the whole thing. I'm going to wrap up here. I'm sorry. But don't, don't, don't let room in for, for carnal pleasures and carnal things in this life. And, and I don't have to tell you what those things are, do I? We know what they are. It's anything that's in the way of your walk with the Lord. So can carnal believers go to heaven? Look, all I know is in John 3, 3, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will by no means even see the kingdom of heaven. So I don't know. My, I, guess, I guess what I'll say to that is, why find out? Let's just not do that. Instead, let's get in our words. Let's, let's wrapping this whole, the spiritual person up. If you have to, go back and do devotions even tomorrow night, even tonight if you need to. Grab your wife. Say, we're going to pray together tonight. And we're going to read the Bible. And I want to hear what you have to say about it. And see, see if the Holy Spirit doesn't move in that. Because it's more than in a feeling. And guys, this, this, this feeling you feel right now, and I'm going to close here. This feeling that you're feeling, it's, it's not just emotions, because emotions are deceiving. Because you know what? I can get super pumped and cry and feel great right now about this message 
just as much as I can have an emotional reaction to the end of Star Wars. Emotion, emotion is not where it's at, although it's part of it. Don't get me wrong. But if you're not taking, right now, realizing that, that, that this feeling of the Holy Spirit has us energized and ready to go out this week, right now, if you don't take it and do something with it this week, what does it matter? It says to make disciples. Let's make disciples. Pray over somebody. Say, God, do you want me to talk? Do you want me to raise that person up? See what happens, guys. Don't leave room for carnality. Leave room for, have room for the Holy Spirit. Father God, Lord, I just come before you right now, Lord, and we just come before you, and Lord Jesus, we just ask that you would rip out the carnal things of our life. Lord Jesus, anything that's getting in the way of our lives that, that is preventing us from, from being closer to you every day, God, Lord, that we want to think about if we're backsliding or if we want to think about if, if, if anything but you and the cross and, Lord Jesus, what you want, that our sole purpose in life will be to, be to please you, Lord Jesus, and that we would, we would show love to other people. Right now, as every eye is closed and head and bowed, maybe you do have something carnal in your life. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be big or it can't be big either way. Right now, if, if you want something removed, and you want it removed by the power of the Holy Spirit, because you know it's there, knowing that, knowing that every time you participate in that sin, you're taking the Lord Jesus with you, because Jesus says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you want that removed with the power of your Holy Spirit, raise your hand right now. If you, if you know there's something crawling in your life, you just want it removed, and we'll pray over you. If there's anything at all that, that, that's in your life that you want removed. Lord, we come before you right now, and we just, we just thank you, Lord, that you're, that you're our sole focus, Lord, here at Calvary Chapel, Ontario. And Lord, we just, uh, we just ask that during this week, we would go, we would do our personal devotions, we would do devotions with our families, Lord, and that we would strive to be the simple spiritual person that you called us to be, Lord. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you all stand. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. As we close with this last song, maybe a reflection of your heart. It's uh, an older song that uh, we, we do every once in a while, but Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. Sing to your God.
Father God, we do just come tonight before you and know that you just have the best intentions for each one of us. So, Father, as we've learned tonight to be that simple spiritual person, may we just live that out, Lord. May we understand that you are the lover of our soul. And all God's people said, Amen. See you on Sunday.